Hello and welcome to the Atlantic Fellows Podcast. I'm Fanula Sweeney. The Atlantic Fellowship Program works with a diverse community of leaders around the world with a common commitment to fairer, healthier, more inclusive societies. Through its seven programs focused on equity in healthcare, socioeconomic equity, and racial equity, the Atlantic Fellowships offer committed leaders across the globe an opportunity to gain new perspectives and new colleagues while strengthening their competence and confidence in their work for change. In each podcast, I'll be speaking to an Atlantic Fellow about their work and ambitions for a more just world. I'm joined by Nicole Batch, an Atlantic Fellow for Equity and Brain Health based at the Global Brain Health Institute. Nicole is a gerontologist and has more than two decades' experience in ageing and dementia program development. Nicole and I both completed our fellowships at the Global Brain Health Institute at Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland. But it was at Rhodes House in Oxford, England, where the Atlantic Institute is based, that she and I had a chance to catch up. Nicole, what prompted you to join GBHI? I was prompted to participate in GBHI after I completed my PhD in gerontology at King's College London, examining the differences between stigma and empowerment of people with dementia. You're quoted as saying, I'm deeply committed to the goals of reducing the stigma of dementia, encouraging the meaningful involvement of people with dementia in society and leadership development within the community-based sector. How great is the stigma for people with dementia? And are you able to talk about how it might differ in various countries? In 2012, there was some original research that was conducted with people with dementia and caregivers from around the world. We had 2,500 responses from 54 countries, mostly from caregivers, but there was a group of 157 people with dementia who participated and really described the stigma that they experience in their local countries and the discrimination they were facing. One of the main findings from that particular data was the loss of friends. After diagnosis, people treating them differently, treating them like children, feeling marginalized and not being included in their community. Which they become invisible. They can become invisible, sure. And they might keep themselves out of society because of the fear of stigma, as well as some experiences they were sharing when they did go out into society and were treated differently by people, which all led to me working on a PhD on empowerment. So how do we change the stigma narrative? Presumably within the individual living with dementia, but also including the wider community because the stigma is coming from the wider community largely. Exactly. So the findings in my PhD study on empowerment were really examining the barriers to empowerment. The barriers were happening at a personal level, at a relationship level within their own family structure, as well as interactions with other people, whether they're family members or maybe going into a retail shop or going into the bank and how they interact with others. Also at a societal level and the environmental structures within society that limit their ability to stay included in society. When you talk there about society, banks, shops, people trying to live everyday lives, it's not just encouraging the community, it is encouraging those in many ways who are instrumental parts of the community, institutions and government as well. How can you get across to those institutions that maybe they need to start adapting to how people with dementia live and function in everyday society and to help them? One of the big social movements going on internationally right now is dementia-friendly communities. They are popping up in different local communities, local townships, local villages, where a group of stakeholders gets 
sits around a table. And those stakeholders aren't always healthcare professionals and shouldn't always be healthcare professionals, which is usually the voice we hear when we talk about dementia. So we've got healthcare professionals, social service professionals. We've got people with dementia themselves Mm -hmm. who can tell you where they're challenged when they leave their house every day. Family caregivers as part of that stakeholder group, governments as part of that stakeholder group, retail groups. Mm -hmm. One of the examples I can give you from my own research to bring it all together is I had a woman who her favorite thing to do is to go shopping. Mm-hmm. And her dementia isn't to the point where she she can leave the house, she can go shopping, she can go through the racks of clothing, mm-hmm. she can try on the clothing. Mm-hmm. Now, she did say that she has trouble when she gets to the cash register. Her sister holds her purse, hands her the purse, and then she pays, and her sister makes sure that she pays the correct amount. Mm-hmm. She struggles with that, but she doesn't struggle shopping. She doesn't struggle trying on the clothes, and that's really the key piece of her hobby, her experience, a favorite thing she likes to do. But she went into, in England, it's called Marks and Spencers. If you're in a different country, it might be Macy's or a different department store, went into the dressing room to try on the clothes and couldn't find her way out because there were mirrors all the way around the dressing room. She literally in the focus group sat in her chair and turned her body and went and there was me and there was me on this side and there was me on this side and there was me over here on this side and I couldn't find the door. Confusing and scary. And scary. So this is an opportunity where a dementia-friendly community, that stakeholder group, could address the department stores, walk through them with people with dementia and find out, how's your signage? How are your pathways? How are people able to get around? Are your employees trained to support people? In her particular case, she cried out and an employee had to come help her get out of the dressing room and find her way out. The bigger problem with stigma there is that she and her family might then restrict her shopping in the future. She's had this negative experience. She may never shop again, but she's still able to. So it's really important to make sure that people have that inclusive opportunity. And how does one go about changing that kind of attitude within the situation you've just described? Is it public pressure? Is it pressure on governments? With the dementia-friendly community movement, the best way to do it is the grassroots movement. Mm. So it's going into your local shops and your local community and saying people with dementia live here. Hi, I'm Sally. I have a diagnosis of dementia, and this is the struggle that I've had in your shop. This is how you can help me. It can also come from government, from higher above, or from organizational advocacy, who might work with the major department stores at the national level and encourage those major department stores to do staff training. So it's top down and bottom up, and those two things working together. You're a great advocate for people with dementia, particularly those who are having difficulty accomplishing everyday tasks. You're a firm believer that they can be encouraged Mm -hmm. to be able to do those things such as walking sometimes people with dementia begin to find it difficult to walk with physio and the right kind of guidance they can walk normally again and be able to feel good about being able to walk to the shops and do the things they normally do yeah i think the assumption about people with dementia is that they start to lose function so then we stop trying And they stop trying, and then people around them stop trying. That doesn't mean that just because someone has a bad day once that they've lost that ability. So having the resources in place and having the right professional care team in place that can help encourage and engage that person at the level where they are. Maybe they can't walk as fast as they used to walk. Maybe they can't walk as far as they used to walk. And that might be true of of many older people as people grow older and are less able to do things that they used to do. But we can accommodate them in a different way. Are you 
interested in exploring how to advocate for people like that on a national level? Or are you concerned primarily with individual care or community care? One of the projects I'm working on now is trying to develop an international care network. I'm starting with a web-based platform where we can bring interdisciplinary care professionals. So that's everything from diagnosis to end of life. That could potentially be 20 years for a person with dementia from diagnosis. They engage with a doctor at diagnosis, and they might engage with a nurse during that area in a memory clinic as well. But then people go home and they live in the community. And so what agencies do they contact in the community that help support them, help hold their hand during this journey? Then they might move into home care, and so home care workers. And then they might move into adult daycare, assisted living, senior living. So you can see throughout the dementia journey, that individual person and that family are engaging with all of these different sectors and all of these different professionals mm-hmm. who really need to have a better understanding of dementia and also have a better understanding of that person's journey themselves and how these different sectors work together. So I'm looking at building that platform that can bring those people together. That's actually quite a Western-style approach because obviously not every country in the world has assisted living or daycare or to the degree that you're describing there. To go back to your sense of advocacy for the person with dementia, what prompts you to feel so strongly about this? One of my early influences in my life was reading Helen Keller. Having a book where somebody who's deaf and blind can communicate and learn to communicate showed me early on that anything is possible. So when I began to work in elder care, and I began to work in elder care when I was in high school. It was a part-time job. I worked in a senior living community in the dining room. So it's a vocation. So it has been my vocation, which is why I'm so passionate about any dementia professional. I don't care what sector they come from and, and what kind of discipline they come from. We're all doing the same work. We all want to help people with dementia do better, and we each bring different values and expertise to that journey. And do you see change happening? I do. And mostly it's in that interconnectivity of the people I've already worked with and the relationships that I've made in my professional career to support people. And I think going back to the subject of stigma we talked about earlier, that the stigma is changing because many more people are aware of dementia. They're involved in the conversation. Exactly. In terms of the Global Brain Health Institute and joining that community of fellows who are working towards the same goal, what inspired you to join the GBHI and what do you hope to do as a result of it? The GBHI, I joined that after finishing my PhD. So it was a good natural transition to starting a fellowship and working and collaborating with other like-minded professionals Mm -hmm. who, again, come with different areas of expertise in this field. Mm -hmm. You're now part of this community of fellows, which is going to continue to grow over the next 15 years and presumably, hopefully, beyond that. How do you see that evolving for you and your membership and role in it? I have been really pleased with the people from different professions that I've met in the GBHI Fellowship and in the Atlantic Fellowship, because I think it's much greater than just the brain health, because there are social activists and there are journalists like you, and there are people from different perspectives throughout both of these wonderful programs that we can meet and collaborate and start to work together on some serious social problems. So dementia doesn't discriminate. People are experiencing dementia around the world, no matter what country you live in. Or even income group, although it does seem to be focused more on low and and middle income groups. Right. Well, that's the major increase in the future is going to happen in low and middle income countries compared to Western countries. But that doesn't mean that there aren't many people with dementia currently. The number is 50 million. And that's the concern. How do we care for the people who have dementia and help them on this journey? Thank you very much, Nicole. Thank you for having me. 
That was Nicole Batch, an Atlantic Fellow for Equity and Brain Health. For more information, you can visit www.gbhi.org or www.atlanticfellows.org. I'm Fanula Sweeney, and you've been listening to an Atlantic Fellows podcast.